Hello and welcome to Join the Club. My name is Holly. I acknowledge the lands and waters of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. I pay respect to the ancestors past and elders present and those emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. I am and will continue to be inspired by the incredibly rich culture of the Wajak people and their connection to family and others. Hello and welcome to another episode of Join the Club podcast. My name is Holly and you are all welcome to join the club. Today's episode is actually, I guess, like a part two of last week's episode, which was named um, Join the Extreme Relocator Club. And I spent the majority of that episode discussing my experience growing up, having relocated overseas several times and what that experience was like for me as a child and going into my adolescence. I did touch briefly on my year abroad as an adult where I was living in London and I just thought I would spend a bit of time diving into that experience a bit more because I know it's something that is quite interesting for some people to listen to. Perhaps it's something that you might be interested in doing yourself, whether it is London itself or another country where you'd like to go and work overseas for a little while, or maybe you're just feeling a little bit nostalgic. It is something that you have done previously in your life and yeah, Before I dive into part two of Join the Extreme Relocators Club, I thought I would check in with everybody and just share a highlight of my week so far. Um, It is just the most basic and I guess, oh, I don't even know, trivial sort of things that have just brought me great joy this week and maybe other parents with young children can relate to this. I have just really had time myself this week at different stages to really appreciate the pure joy of like the simple things as a kid. So it's been a really quite a a hot week here in Perth and today, thank goodness, the weather has cooled down a little bit. And on the weekend and then also on Monday afternoon, I brought my daughter to the swimming pool and they're at their local park. There is a water play area. And does anyone remember just this simple joy of running through the sprinklers and just like spurting water and how fun that was as a kid. And I'm sitting back and I'm watching my daughter and she is squealing with pure delight and joy over the most simple thing. Like there's no bells, there's no whistles. It is just water that is spraying out and splashing her in the face. And it is the cutest thing I have seen and just brought me so much joy and peace within myself um, and pure happiness and brought me back to that time in my childhood. Even just like spraying her with the hose when I'm watering the garden and the squeals of delight that are coming from her. I guess it's going to sound really lame and you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, Holly, like that's your highlight of the week. Seriously? No, but I don't know. It just, yeah, just so, so beautiful and pure and innocent and simple and can we just really bring simplicity and the most simple things in life that bring us joy back again you know like yeah anyway that's my little check-in for the week now let's move into part two of the extreme relocators club and um, I'll be sharing with you my year abroad in London and 
I've broken it down into three main parts, the why, the how, and the what. So I'm going to start off with the why. Like why did I even decide to do this in the first place? Was it because I was jumping on a bandwagon, because my friends were doing it, um, because I was running away? Well, maybe a few of those, um, all of the above actually. Um, I guess for me it was an adventure. Like I've always loved traveling. And as I've mentioned in the previous episode, traveling was a huge part of my upbringing and my childhood. Um, and to me, it didn't seem like a hugely daunting thing to do and to jump into. It just sort of came naturally to me. And I do understand how it would be a lot more difficult for other people, maybe who have lived in the one city their whole life to make such a big decision to go and relocate overseas for a year or for a longer period of time. I also chose London as the destination to do this because it was quite easy to organize and set up in terms of the visa and everything else. And I'll talk a little bit about how that process works shortly, especially as um, a person who is an Australian citizen. Uh, and I also have dual citizenship um, as my parents are Irish. So I have both um, Australian and Irish citizenship, which then makes the process of visa applications around Europe and Commonwealth countries a little bit easier. At the time as well, so when I went in 2016, I had no commitments. I was renting. I didn't have any major loans. um, I was single. I literally had nothing holding me back. So I was like, yep, let's do it. Let's go. It was great. And also at the time I was teaching as I still am now. And I was very fortunate to have a supportive principal at my school um, who held my job for the year, which was super important for me to know that at least if I was to come back, that I had some sort of job security. Um, Yeah. And the other part of the why for me was a bit of a fresh start. As many of you in possibly you might be in your mid-20s now or you might be, you know, a little bit older and looking back on that time and it's not easy, you know. Many of our people at that stage have possibly gone through a big relationship. You may be coming out the other end of that or, I don't know, you're reflecting on your career choice, all sorts of things which are quite tricky being in your mid, uh, early to mid-20s. So, yeah, for me I was like, oh, my gosh, I'd had a tricky previous year. I was just ready for something new. And that it was really the list of the reasons of why I decided to move. Now, the next part may be a little bit boring to those people who aren't that interested in moving overseas and are just here for a bit of a story time. So skip ahead a few minutes if you're not too bothered in hearing about the logistical sides of how to do it. Um, But I will keep this part very brief. So when it comes to applying for a visa to live in London to actually go on a working visa, visa. Now, please correct me if I'm wrong in saying this, but when I applied, and I do believe that it is the same now, because Australia is a Commonwealth country, that you are you have more flexibility and freedom in acquiring, if you're under the age of 30, by the way, which um, at, I'm not now, but at that time I was, that you it's very seamless to apply for a two-year working visa. Um, So the countries have an agreement where, yeah, 
that it's not a huge process to go through that. You apply um, and it's the same for if you want to work in Canada and I'm pretty sure most other Commonwealth countries. So, yeah, that was easy. And as well for me, so if I go back to 2016, this was pre-Brexit. So I am not too sure how it goes now if you are a citizen of a European of an EU European country now, if you want to go and work in the UK. Um, but I also could have, at the time, I would have had the right to work in London without a visa using my Irish citizenship, my Irish passport. I wouldn't have had to apply for anything. But because my Irish passport had expired, blah, 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 I just decided I was going to do the same as my friends and we all applied um, under the Commonwealth two-year uh, working visa, which was really easy. Um, I guess the most important thing I would say is to plan and have a bit of a budget. So it's pretty unrealistic to go over to especially London, one of the most expensive cities in the world, and have no savings behind you. It is actually just really stupid and idiotic to do that. I went over with, I would say, about $10,000, which is a huge amount of money but I'm also quite a anxious person and a bit of a warrior. So I wanted to make sure that I had quite a bit um, behind me that I wouldn't feel stressed if I had to say pay a bit extra for rent or if I wasn't working for a period of time. So make sure that you have a budget laid out because rent in particularly in London and in big major cities and especially now is just extreme it's on the extreme level I remember at one stage I was renting with my friends and for my one bedroom this is back in 2016 in um, North London I was just for my room was 800 pounds a month plus bills so let's double on average we'll just like round it up and double the pounds to Australian dollars that's 1600 um, AUD approximately which then you divide that by four that's $400 a week for a room, for a room. No, is that right? Is that right, Matt? Yeah, that's good math. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really, really bad. But yes, that is a lot of money, okay? So you definitely have to take that into consideration when you are planning. Is it something that is feasible, especially if you are wanting to work part-time and travel part-time, something to take into consideration, the other thing is possibly setting yourself up with a job before you go. Now, being a teacher, it was very, very easy for me to get teaching work and you can do that very easily through teaching agencies. So you can apply directly to schools. However, for you um, to have flexibility, say, um, and you don't want to be locked into a contract, um, you want to meet other teachers who are traveling as well, you can go through a teacher agency and they can set up work for you. And what that, that's exactly what I did. So I interviewed with this teacher agency that I felt comfortable with. Um, we negotiated my daily rate and then they advocated for me. And I had, um, and I think as well, what worked for my, for, um, for me, the bonus was that I'd already had a few years of teaching under my belt. So that was definitely a bonus for those schools when it came to hiring an experienced teacher rather than a graduate that had come out. Um, but please do not let that, um, get in your way if you are a graduate, uh, especially like other industries like nurses and I have friends who are physios working over there and accountants and at the time, yeah, going through agencies was the best way for us to do that as people coming from overseas. 
The other thing is the um, with the job agencies is just to be savvy and do your homework and be really careful because the agencies will like claim that they are out to help you, which they do. They can be very helpful and they can support you. However, they are still taking a cut of your pay. So you can also negotiate your pay with them. The more experience you have with the skills that you have and don't be afraid to keep requesting um, like a higher pay the longer you are there or the longer you're at like that one particular workplace because, yeah, it is um, crazy the amount of money that the agencies are receiving um, and then you may only be pocketing, you know, half or two-thirds of that of that amount, which is, yeah, just something to keep in mind. Right, so you've done all those, you've done your visa, you've got your savings behind you, you've possibly secured a job of some sort, great. You've gotten on the plane, you've got your suitcase or two, remember, pack lightly, don't pack too much, and you have set foot in London. And now I'm going to move into a bit of the what, and it's going to be broken down into some basics like some just you know really simplistic things around living and and finding a house and all that sort of thing and then I'm going to go into like the fun like the really fun parts of living in London and the experiences that I had and um yeah share some tips with you if you would like to be a part of the extreme relocator club yourself or perhaps you already are so one of the main intentions for me moving over to London was to travel and as a, I guess, a semi-experienced traveller myself, I already had a bit of an understanding of what to avoid and how to be quite savvy when it came to, um, you know, not being ripped off and to have a budget when travelling. The biggest thing I feel with if you are working and you're also doing like a bit of a working holiday is to be as flexible as possible. So you can certainly, you know, book things in advance but also keep in mind that the cheap flights can come up at the very last minute. So I know with my friends, like we would have maybe like midterm breaks or even on like a long weekend or a weekend, maybe midweek we'd have a look on Skyscanner, which I'm sure there are many other uh, websites that you can use to search for cheap flights. We'd look on those at the last minute and we would see what were the cheapest flights in different cities all throughout Europe. We kind of go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. We'd pick one and we would just book it. And the amount of cheap flights that we were able to secure this way was just phenomenal. And we weren't picky. Like you're not going to get, or I mean you possibly might, to like your big major cities like Paris and Berlin and places like that. But be adventurous. Some of the best trips I had were to cities in Europe that I had never even heard of like Porto in Portugal. I remember my friends and I were looking, we want to go somewhere for the like weekend coming up. Let's have a look. Well, what are the cheap flights? I think it was maybe 30 or 40 pounds for these flights to Porto in Portugal. Definitely one of the highlights of my time over there was exploring this beautiful old town that has so much history and culture that wasn't a huge tourist trap. There were definitely still tourists there and things and places to go and do and see, but it wasn't just overrun like some of your huge touristy cities like Rome and Paris and all of those, which I'd been to before and I thought, oh, you know, not really too fussed on seeing that again. Plus I was traveling on a budget. And usually those smaller cities are going to be cheaper when it comes to traveling around accommodation and food and things like that. 
And also to reiterate what I was saying before, avoid those big touristy traps if you can, if you are budgeting and you're trying to um, get the most, yeah, the most enjoyment out of your experience as well. The other thing that we liked to do when I was there with my friends was perhaps like we were looking at, say, like a concert that we wanted to go and see. And I remember this time where we really wanted to see Flume in London. Um, And I guess being Aussies as well, like anything that has to do with Australia when you're away from home, you're like, yeah. And I mean, Flume is also like an incredible artist. So we were like stoked to go and see um, him perform. And the London show was like sold out, completely sold out, like within an instant. And I do believe the tickets were actually slightly more expensive for the London show. So we then looked, well, why don't we see where else in Europe that um, Flume is playing? And we easily scored tickets for, I'm trying to think, I'm pretty sure it was Munich. And we had a look and we're like, yeah, we got the tickets for Munich. It was in this like awesome part of the city in this big warehouse packed with people like it was the coolest thing ever we only went for the weekend we did a bit of touristy like exploration I've got this awesome friend Ben and um, he is just like a historian extraordinaire and we'd um, joke around that he was just like our token tourist guide and he would bring us around to like the museums and and show us all the you know amazing parts of the city uh, that he's really passionate about so just really cool and we got to see Flume and it was just an, an amazing weekend away that I have really special memories. So yeah, really, really cool. The other thing is if you're trying to get a good bargain, um, particularly if you're in London itself, there are so many travel expos where you can like grab a, a really cheap discounted uh, summer trip. Um, on um, During my time there, I didn't do everything completely by myself in terms of organizing holidays um, my friends are really keen on looking at a sail Croatia trip and I think we did it through Intrepid Travel now I traveled to Nepal through Intrepid before and I and I've also gone on tours like with Kentucky and Top Deck as well and I really found that it was just easy in terms of I had booked it in advance I'd gotten a big discount and I knew that everything was going to be booked paid for organized and I could just relax and have fun and I had put that money aside knowing I wanted to do that and then I was you know really um, savvy and um, spent a lot of time organizing like the smaller trips so yeah those travel expos within the city are really handy to save a bit of money The next thing I want to talk about is accommodation in London and also maybe just in general if you're moving to another city or another place, I would highly suggest not finding an apartment or a flat share before you move over there because one, you have to be really careful of um, the legitimacy of some of the ads Secondly, the photos can be very deceiving. And if you don't know an area very well at all, um, it's just not the best idea. So we were very lucky at the time that my friend that I went with, we stayed at a friend of a friend's place and, um, yeah, we just crashed on their couch for I think it was maybe a week while we had a look. And, um, I mean, Airbnb is very expensive, but it's another great option. It could save you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds down the track and also just your um, discomfort and irritability of being locked into something that, one, you haven't seen and, two, you don't know um, too much about 
uh, if you haven't seen it in person. Obviously, if you have a friend that lives in the city, they could do that for you beforehand, but I would definitely wait um, before you lock yourself into anything if that is a possibility for you because particularly London, you really need to go and see the place first. And a lot actually won't allow you to even apply uh, to uh, rent that accommodation unless you have seen the accommodation in person. Uh, Flatshare in the UK is a really great site if you're looking at uh, just getting a room. And I use that a couple of times. Um, the other one is to go directly to a real estate agency, which my friends and I did when we rented out a beautiful renovated flat in Finsbury Park, which is in North London. Extremely expensive, like ridiculously expensive, but we loved it. And it was a sacrifice we were willing to make at the time to enjoy ourselves and to stay in a flat, just the three of us and not have random housemates that we had no idea what they were going to be like. However, in saying that, that wasn't the best option long-term for us. It was just so expensive and yeah, too much. And, uh, then I found I went back to Flatshare and ended up finding um, a flat sharing with different people, which was ended up being uh, cheaper for me and I had more flexibility. Definitely look at exploring the outer areas of your city as well. Like don't get trapped into like, oh, I want to live in like the inner city and blah, 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 or I want to live in this borough or I want to live in this part of the city because that's where all the Aussies live. Like that's great. And if that's where your friends are and you want to do that, like fabulous and go for gold. But, you know, just be mindful of your budget. Um, and also, yeah, put yourself out there, like try something different. And in these big cities, like transport is incredible next level so you really don't need to worry so much about getting from a to b or a to b to c or whatever um, it's pretty straightforward so yeah push yourself out a little bit and go somewhere different on reflection like i wish that i'd maybe even like branched out of london and tried a different city for a few months like maybe manchester or bristol or somewhere like that um, just for a bit of a change and also probably cheaper accommodation at the same time the other thing to keep in mind finance-wise is that when I was living in London, the Australian government had made a clause where you didn't have to be, um, pay your, ta your, your tax, your hex. So if you have hex debt, keep in mind the government have now changed their requirements that you must still be making uh, hex contributions even if you are working overseas so they don't just pause like they did many years ago you you could come back to Australia and then be hit with a huge bill to pay off that portion of hex for the year um, so make sure that you are putting that bit of money aside the other thing that I didn't consider at the time because I was young and in my you know mid 20s and didn't care about superannuation was you aren't going to be earning superannuation while you're working overseas so it could be something to keep in mind just like popping like $50 away a week or something that when you come back or during that time you can contribute that money to your super so you're accumulating like that interest and that investment for um, when you are in retirement because yeah if you're away for a year or even more than a year that's tens of possibly tens of thousands of dollars that you'll be missing out on for um, your retirement and for the future. Now let's talk about a little bit of fun in London. 
I mostly lived in North London and North East London and I would say I spent the majority of my time like going out, like going to bars, um, catching up with friends, going to restaurants in I'd say like that shortage sort of like Dalston area. And one of the first places that I went to which I really liked was Box Park which I'm pretty sure there are a few other ones of them around in London now, but it is a really cool place where they've got all these shipping containers and within the shipping containers they've got like little cafes and restaurants and like cool places to hang out. So if you haven't been to London before and you're looking for somewhere that isn't like just in central London, um, yeah, it's a really cool spot to check out. Um, a really cool way to meet people I found was through Facebook meetups. So if you're feeling possibly a little bit homesick, there are lots of like Aussies in London pages and they always host like sorts of fun events and things that you can join in on and meet people. Or there are meetups for people that, you know, have similar interests or hobbies, um, that you could do that in the, in the city. It's really great because it is the sort of place where you have got so many people from all around the world who are living and working and traveling and yeah are in the same situation as you I found as well in London that like you honestly don't need to be spending money on like big events and things like concerts and festivals of course like if you're into that like really cool but there are so many free events and things that you can do and I found that um the Time Out London magazine, and th- which is always handed out of the tube, and also online, their Instagram is really great, and they were always showing like budget-friendly events and free events that are going on through London that are really fun. Um, the other one are the West End shows. Now, being a bit of a musical theatre nerd was in like my absolute like in paradise when it came to the West End and it was actually so cool the school that I worked at I worked at a really lovely primary school in East London slash Essex in a place called Dagenham huge primary school and I met the coolest people at this at this school Um, quite a few Australians who worked there Canadians but heaps of people who had been born and bred in Essex and lived there their whole lives this really beautiful and his name is Jonathan he's one of the teachers I think is the year two teacher and his wife works in the marketing um department of uh like the West End so she works with some of the big shows and I remember that he would always bring free tickets to school and I think because he'd been there for years all the staff were like oh yeah like free tickets I was like um hello poor like traveler over here like give me the free tickets so that was a huge perk of knowing somebody I guess like quote within the industry in a way and got to see a few shows that way which was awesome but the other thing is like online and through like some of the um sales you can get last minute tickets at like a like seriously discounted price um yeah so highly recommend if you're into the theater to go to the west end the other one that's free unless you're um you know tempted by all the beautiful things um that are being sold there are the markets so there are heaps and heaps and heaps of different markets on in london um but my favorite would have been the columbia road um columbia road flower market where they just have the whole street is lined with the most beautiful floral arrangements dried flowers you name it like it's just stunning And just to walk down there and experience the beauty, it's just like, yeah, you 
didn't have to pay anything at all. You just walk through, wander, grab a coffee. Um, yeah, it's really good. The other sort of budget-friendly fun thing to do over there is using the Santander bikes. So those are the bikes that now they have them in a lot of major cities and, and here in Perth too where you can just hire the bikes that are um, located all around the city and pay for them like by the hour, by the half hour, like a couple of pounds for like an hour and then they have all the dedicated bike lanes and if you're brave enough like I remember my um my friend Cherie and I there was one day we were like oh let's go and get like the bikes and we'll go for a ride we ended up riding from like our place like we were we were in Finsbury Park we rode from Finsbury Park through to like central London like over the bridges and we ended up like near um the Olympic Stadium like so I'm like what did, what were we thinking? And okay, don't tell my mum, but I wasn't wearing a helmet. <laughs> we were dry, like riding through central London, just like not a care in the world. And it was honestly the most cheap and fun day that I think like it was just it was just awesome. So fun. I look back on that now and I like really have such special memories of that time. The next thing is making new friends, which I touched on a little bit before with talking about Facebook meetups and things like that, because moving to a big city, if you're an introvert or you're not going with a friend or, you know, you're a bit apprehensive about meeting new people, um, it can be quite daunting and it can also be quite isolating. I knew that I know myself that by the end of my time in London, a few of my friends had already moved back home or had moved to another country. Um, and I was, yeah, starting to feel that sense of loneliness um, and disconnect in a way. And so it can be really tricky. I did find that most of my friends I met through work. So <laughs> typical teacher ends up being friends with more teachers. But yes, overall, making new friends through work was one of the main ways that I found my network. The next one was through, I know this sounds really obvious, but through friends of friends, um, it almost in a way has like a ripple effect. So I remember it was one of my very first days uh, working at this school that I was at for my entire time in London. And there happened to be another teacher who's also from Australia who was just coming in to teach relief or in um, the UK they call it supply. She'd come in for like a fill-in day. And um, we got chatting and just kind of getting to know each other. And this teacher, she this uh friend that I made on the day she invited me over to her house for dinner and I wonder if my friend Cherie is listening to this because she's probably going oh I remember this story so this girl um she was from Brisbane and I'm from Perth and there were a lot of people from either Perth or Brisbane at the time um the teachers that were living over there um, I don't know what it is, maybe just wanting a more exciting experience than their home city. And this uh, girl in particular had been living in London for a while and said, hey, come on over, like I'm going to host a dinner party with a few friends um, and introduce you to some other people. I thought, yeah, fabulous, sounds great. Went over there, had a really great time, ended up not really gelling with this this person in particular, like tried, but she really, I guess, just didn't really work out and that was fine. Um, but then at this dinner party was when I actually met one of my really close friends, Cherie, for the very first time. And we just hit it off. I think we were talking about like the gym and like just all sorts of stuff and teaching. And she was from Brisbane. She actually knew this, um, the girl who was hosting the dinner party. 
they knew each other from back home. I'm not sure. Maybe they went to uni together. I'm, I don't know. I'm sure Cherie will correct me on, the, on their connection. And also it turns out that Cherie sort of lost contact with this person too. And then Cherie and I started hanging out and catching up and doing things together and we clicked instantly and we actually ended up moving in together. And then through Cherie, the ripple effect of friendships that were formed sort of happened and then through her work of um, teaching at another school, she met our other friend, Anne, who also happened to be from Brisbane. We all started hanging out and another teacher had come over with her best friend, Ben, who, okay, not a teacher, an accountant who had moved over to London as well for their year away sort of experience. And then just organically, this amazing friendship blossomed. We traveled together. We did all sorts of fun things through London together. And you know, to this day, we may not talk all the time. We may not be able to see each other face to face, but we know that we have each other's back and we still call each other our London family. And they've come to Perth to visit me. I've gone over to Brisbane to see them. Um, when I've been back in the UK, I've caught up, you know, um, visited my friend Cherie, who's still living over there. And yeah, it's just really, really special. And I know that for years to come, it doesn't matter. We may not see each other for years at a time, but we have those special memories and it would just be like, you know, we'd seen each other yesterday when we catch up. It's that sort of just organic, really natural friendship that, um, yeah, you know, will last a lifetime. And um, actually a few, the um, Ben and Anne came over for my 30th birthday and surprised me. I'll never forget they, I, I was at a cafe with another friend and, and I looked across the road and I could see these two people coming out of a car and you know when you just kind of like double like kind of double look at someone and go, oh, that person looks so familiar. And as they're coming closer, I don't think I've ever been so surprised in my entire life. <laughs> and they ca- they'd flown all the way from Brisbane to Perth for a weekend for my 30th birthday. Like just amazing. Probably the last flight that they were on for a long time because this was Feb of 2020. So fill in the gaps there. <laughs> um, nobody was allowed to fly for quite a long time after that. That's just really special. Like we mean a lot to each other. So long story short, friends of friends, organically friendships happen through that. Um, and yeah, I think it's when you are overseas in a country where you have lots of like in a big city where lots of people have come from all over the world, it's easier. I feel it. it's actually more difficult when I came back to Perth um, and it made me sort of realize like with cities like Perth, it can be very tricky as a new person coming in particularly for those people maybe who have lived here their whole lives, have their friendship circle, aren't too interested in making lots of new friends. It can feel quite isolating in a city um, like Perth and in other places that might have a similar sort of feel to them. So, yeah, I actually found that it was easier to connect and to meet new people and also maybe because I was in the mindset of being in a new place and wanting to meet new people too. The other way that is a really fun opportunity to meet new people are through meetups. And I went to a few meetups that were organised through job agent, like the um, teaching agency I was in. But then there are other meetups like through um, like Aussie groups, but through all sorts of things like hobbies and interests that you may have and that, you know, 
something quite quirky that you're into, I bet there are other people in such a big city that will also be into that too. So that's a really, really cool way to meet people, to connect and to yeah, not feel so isolated and alone in your experience. Now it is time for the badges of honour. So what are the bonuses or the perks or celebrations that come with being in the Extreme Relocators Club working abroad for a year edition? Number one, I would say that this experience with one, living in one of the most expensive cities in the world, and two, you know, having a huge list of places I wanted to go and visit and things I wanted to do, I became a super savvy budget traveller. I was forced in a way to really think carefully about the trips I was going on and I found ways to do things on a budget, whether it was like I've mentioned before, the last minute travel, um, the, with the last minute travel, like looking for cheap flights, uh, cheap accommodation, booking in deals in advance and yeah, just being clever about it and looking at the, you know, the experiences that don't cost any money or cost very little as well. And I feel that those are the ones that hold a lot of, um, memory, special memories for me. So yes, being a savvy budget traveler and also um, finding really great ways to save money on basic things like on food and um, yeah, you know, like when you have those morning teas in the staff room, it's like (laughs) go nuts, like take advantage of that. I know as well, like in London, there are so many ways that you can, you know, reduce your costs with your shopping, like not going to Marks and Spencers, not going to Waitrose, even though um, they may have the most beautiful packaged pre-made meals, you know, going to Poundland and checking out there's, um, I remember when I was living in Finsbury Park and this is all through London, they had like these amazing fruit and veg stalls and we would call the we call it like the pound man because the fruit and veg pound man because you'd have bowls of fruit and bowls of vegetables that they were just a pound, like one pound. And if you were clever about that, like you could have that last for ages and, yeah, and save a lot of money that way. So, yeah, just find those cheap options and and ways of doing things and not going too crazy and excited all the time. The other thing I would say is a badge of honour is I have perfected the skill of being a light packer. When you have a cheap flight and you only have carry-on luggage to bring with you and it's the middle of winter, number one, you learn how to layer up and sit on a plane with many, many layers under your coat. And two, you just get used to like living out of hand luggage and being sneaky and maybe trying to like have another bag underneath your coat, uh, which is quite, you know, useful in those cooler, uh, warmer oh my gosh, in the winter months when you can kind of hide something under your coat. So being a light packer, knowing that, you know, if you're going away just for a few nights, you just really need maybe like change of underwear, another top. You don't need much at all. You'd be surprised at how little you need when you are traveling, um, especially when it's like throughout Europe and things like that. Yeah. So I'm going to leave that there for today. Thank you for joining in with this part two of the Extreme Relocators Club. Um, It was more of just a 
I guess, nice like little chatty episode, uh, sharing some tips. I hope you found it interesting um, and entertaining, even if you have absolutely no desire to go and work overseas for a year. Um, it might, yeah, you can just sort of maybe live vicariously through my storytelling. Um, but maybe if this is something that you are looking into down the track, it may not be London, it might be another city or another country, um, or, or perhaps even um, you're looking at moving to another state to work and to travel. Um, yeah, I hope this was helpful for you. And if you have any questions or you'd like to share your journey, your story, um, yeah, please get in contact with me. My contact details are in the show notes. Um, but one of the best ways to get through is on my Instagram, which is jointheclub.podcast. Please add me on there, follow. And if you could do a huge, do me a huge favor, like, and subscribe on whichever podcast app you are listening this on. I would just really, really greatly appreciate it. Share it with your friends if you found it enjoyable. And yes, I look forward to speaking to you soon.